0: Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges, and most importantly, how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Welcome, everyone. Sandra Beck is off today. I am Robin Boyd with you today. I am so looking forward to my conversation with today's guest. Um, Ross Malcolm Boyd is a musician, a composer, an educator, a podcast host, an audio engineer, a traveler. Um, Hello, Ross. Welcome. And we're so glad you're here today. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. (laughs) We're, we're just delighted to have you. And if anybody was paying attention, yes, uh, the last names are the same. So we do want to say, yes, we are family. Ross is yes. my son and I couldn't be prouder, but you are a tremendously talented man. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you today, um, because there are so many things I think that your experiences have have uh, brought uh, to, to your life. And I'm sure a lot of that can be imparted. So I'd love to have this conversation with you to share with our listeners. There's so much to cover. Um, First of all, um, I'd like the audience to know a little bit about your background. Um, You're extremely creative, Ross. I've known that for years. When did music become a vehicle for your creativity?
1: Well, I often cite uh, around 14 when Mm -hmm. I started, uh, learning how to play music in earnest, um, mm-hmm. where, where I really started playing guitar or earn- earnestly teaching myself how to play. Um, but it's music has always been a part of my life. Music mm-hmm. was integral in our, in our home growing up from records that we listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I distinctly remember, uh, when we lived in Fremont, New Hampshire. So this was, this was, uh, pre fourth grade for me, <laughs> yeah. um, I I remember walking around the driveway just making up songs to myself. I distinctly <laughs> remember that, and I remember uh like there was an episode of Doug, the Nickelodeon
0: oh, show yes. Doug, I remember and there was Doug. an episode
1: where they started a, uh, a a band and they had a, a song called uh, Drumming on a Trash Can or banging on a trash, some something like that. And I remember just walking around the driveway, humming that to myself and then making up my own lyrics. And then it like would spiral into just me coming up with, with other, other songs and ideas. And it was long before I ever decided that music Mm -hmm. was something that I wanted to do. Like you said, like I was, I was always creative. I was always writing stories and drawing pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, But music was just a constant in the background. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that has Become true throughout my life. I've done mm-hmm. a lot of different things uh, as an adult in my professional career, uh, mm-hmm. and and throughout all of that, music has been uh, music has been a significant part of that.
0: Yeah, interesting. I think so many times people have a hobby that they find refuge in, whether it be knitting, crocheting, drawing, uh, photography. All of those arts are those hobbies that one turns to sort of to get away from the, the the day in, day out. When or how did you decide that music should actually be a part of your career?
1: I don't think I Realized that it could be a career until my piano teacher Patrick Lee Hebert mm-hmm. uh, uh, invited me to apprentice under him to become a teacher. Mm. Um, I think that was, and that was like, I, I, I might have been, I, I don't know, sixteen between sixteen and eighteen. But at a certain point, he saw something in me uh, that that made him think, "Oh, this this kid's going to be a good teacher." and he started uh training me uh, mm-hmm. essentially like you know mm-hmm. he he started grooming me uh to to become mm-hmm. a teacher mm-hmm. and started uh i was very interested in uh uh composition um so music theory was a big part of 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 our work together sure. and um lends itself obviously very well to to uh, a teaching career
0: yeah you are a natural educator I mean I remember you being young um teaching helping your sister with homework
1: Mm -hmm. um
0: there were times that you could get through to her that nobody else could (laughs) yes (laughs) but you you definitely have A knack, but is specific to music. Your approach Mm -hmm. to music education is different. How does your methodology differ from maybe some other deliveries? Uh, Not that, you know, one might override another, but you definitely Mm -hmm. have a different approach to your music education.
1: I do. And I think it comes from the way that my experiences with education. I I am an intelligent enough person that school came fairly easily to me for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I never really had to study really. You know, I I understood concepts pretty quickly and, and grasped them and was able to run with them. Um, And uh, not understanding something wasn't something that I experienced until around high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And high school, all of a sudden, particularly uh, biology. uh, And um, I was, I was fine in math. um, But some, some other, some other subjects that required a little more effort, I wasn't prepared for. And I didn't, I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't know how to study. I didn't have any, any specific practices in place mm-hmm. because everything came so easily mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, I, I never developed those skills. I never developed that discipline. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, and, and that was very frustrating for me mm-hmm. um, going from feeling like it was a switch going from being a great student to being, to feeling absolutely incapable um, and the, I, by the time I was in high school, I didn't feel like I was getting the kind of educational support that I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a relatively big school for yeah. New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were, there was a, a large student base and I didn't feel like I was receiving the attention that was appropriate to my particular needs. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just to say that I was only feeling that in myself, but I was seeing that in other students as sure. well. Um, whether it be the person who excelled and who was bored mm-hmm. and wasn't being placed appropriately, mm-hmm. or yeah. if it was somebody who was struggling, who was literally being dismissed by their teachers yeah. uh, because they don't have the time to, right. to explain this again and that's incredibly frustrating. And that's mm-hmm. something that I never wanted anybody that I work with to feel. Interesting. Um, mm. And for a long time, I didn't think that I ever wanted to teach in a classroom or group setting because mm-hmm. I thought it was so important to work with an individual on their level and at mm-hmm. their pace, mm-hmm. um, working through material that was going to be most beneficial to them at any given time. So mm-hmm. my teaching approach has been very flexible and very meticulously crafted, sometimes spontaneously mm-hmm. uh, uh, to, to the individual. Um, and that's, that's something, even as I have uh, grown a lot as a teacher and learned you know, new, new, new techniques, uh, I've, I've gained new understandings of mm-hmm. how to communicate with people from young people to old people uh and uh but that 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 commitment to the individual is still so so important to me
0: mm-hmm. It is evident because uh so many times I would see you come uh back from a lesson and you would take a song that that student liked and revamp it and rewrite it and rewrite chords for them so that they'd be able to then play the song they liked, not necessarily the song that was the next song in the rote book. It was something right. that they are going to relate to, um, which obviously helps that student with desire.
1: Yeah. And I think, well, I think it's, it's something that I do. I think it's something that a lot of private music instructors will do, you know, mm-hmm. they'll be, you know, uh, teaching song by song as opposed sure. to teaching out of a, out of a particular uh, methodology, mm-hmm. um, but what I would try to do that I think is different than what a, a lot of other folks would do. I would get a lot of students who who uh, say, "Oh yeah, my old teacher taught me this," and, and mm. would show me would show me a song, but they wouldn't understand any of the concepts within yeah. the song. They didn't kind of get any any greater, greater meaning from that. So what I would try to do, especially when I was rewriting uh, music or or arranging music for students, and I still do today, is I try to center it around a particular concept that we can get out of that. Almost, almost trick, I've I've been accused of tricking people into learning. So... (laughs) i will i will kind of uh you know uh build build a lesson around around that that piece Mm -hmm. or a section in that piece and and you know you put this finger here and that finger there and then you do that and then you and then okay now now do it like this okay now again but this time go like this and all of the sudden um you know i'll I'll say and now you're playing in you know in, in in this way and they're like oh I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I read an article with a guitar instructor. This was, this was many years ago, mm-hmm. um, who said he never decided when to, or he never decided to start teaching music theory from any point. He would teach until the student inquired. What, why does that work? Like, there's not a, there's not a G sharp in the key of C. Why does the E chord work in this song? And then he would answer that question and, and, and address it as, as that curiosity was piqued rather Mm -hmm. than trying to instill curiosity from the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: And even though I, I, I don't, uh, I don't make it a point of, of, you know, not planning out some little bits of theory throughout. um, I, I definitely think about that, that approach a lot. Um, Never trying to, offer someone something that they don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want my students to be the best, the best that they can be based on what they're trying to do. I think that's extremely important. And that's a lesson that I had to learn really early on that mm-hmm. music is my life and it is my passion and it's the only thing that I want to do, but it's not the only thing that everybody wants to do. Yeah, And that it's okay if all you want to do is, is learn three chords and learn as many songs as you can with those three those chords three because chords. it makes you happy. Yeah, Like that is absolutely valid. And it's absolutely something that makes me happy to do for people. Yeah. But it took me a while to accept that that's, why are you taking lessons? If that's all you want to do, why, mm-hmm. why, like you should know this
0: though, but this is cool. <laughs> and I'm like,
1: Yeah, it's cool to me, but it's not yeah. going to be cool to everybody and right. that's okay
0: right i'm looking for endings in all these
1: beginnings false starts and failures gathering dust i look at my collection this monument to something that made sense in dreams but faded Between the lonely spaces
0: and the ghosts. So interesting. There. And there again, that's why I think people magnate toward you and are so, um, uh, incha- I, for lack of a better word, Ross, they're enchanted with you. Because... <laughs> When kids are with you, they really do become enchanted and they have a desire. And I know I have heard, because we do have a small town and I've often heard from people who had been your students, they said, oh my gosh, we never had a teacher like we had with Ross. He was just amazing. So it it really, knowing that you have left that kind of influence with people has to be very rewarding.
1: It is. It is. I, and I sometimes I have to remind myself of that because it's very easy <laughs> to get bogged down in mm-hmm. whatever, whatever thing I'm not accomplishing now. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. we, I think we can all feel that where uh, it, it feels like oh, I've been working so hard and I haven't done anything. I haven't, I haven't gotten to this next thing. I'm, yeah. I'm so close, but I'm not getting through to this group or whatever, yeah. whatever it happens to be. And it's easy to forget about the, things that you have accomplished or the lives that you have changed Mm -hmm. um and and it's it's nice to be reminded of that it is thank you (laughs) it
0: is (laughs) now you have been teaching virtually long before our country has had to move toward a more virtual world Uh, you've been doing this very successfully you and your wife Um, has what advantages has teaching virtually given you one of the
1: big uh, advantages uh, coming mm-hmm. from New England uh, mm-hmm. it snows <laughs> yeah and the like the winters are brutal <laughs> uh, and when you're teaching privately like as as a student like not having to go to school and like, getting a snow day that's a great thing yeah but as a private instructor who depends on that income it's <laughs> yeah. like wait a second <laughs> snow days <laughs> are so great yeah so because of that, because mm-hmm. of, because of, oh, it's a snowstorm and, and, and whether or not it's like, oh, we don't, like, we want to come to our lesson, but we don't know if it's, we don't know if we'll be right. able to. If the roads, if the roads are clear, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would often think to myself, let's just go online, like, yeah. let's just use Skype. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that uh, came up a lot when I was living in the northern part of New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, up up in the mountains where uh, the winters are especially brutal. When we were up there, when we were living in northern New Hampshire, we were faced with other problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, the infrastructure of the internet mm-hmm. uh, is not as strong in those more rural areas and in sure. a lot of rural areas across this country. Mm-hmm. So while it has its benefits and, and uh, when we decided we were going to start travel, uh, mm-hmm. full time, and we were uh, we bought an r v and in two thousand and sixteen uh, we we hit the road and we 've been living and performing and teaching uh, on the road, kind of setting ourselves up, we knew that we were going to be uh, teaching remotely mm-hmm. uh, when we when when we closed the physical studio in two thousand and sixteen and decided to head out on the road. We knew that this was going to be the plan. We were going to. We were, uh, We had a, a, a number of students who had who had just like kept on with us. It's okay. We're going to transition to yeah. online. We did a bunch of tests before before the physical studio officially closed, and things were working out great. And we hit the road, and uh, and we've been teaching that way ever since. Uh, it is it is wonderful. It is wonderfully freeing for us it is wonderfully mm-hmm. freeing for, uh, for a lot of our students. It's, it's incredible to be able to do something like this wherever we are uh, without a lot of the impediments that, uh, that having to show up at a certain place at a certain time sure. uh, can, can, can produce. So, yeah, in a lot of ways when, when things shut down, not a lot in our lives in particular had changed because we had already built that life for ourselves. Uh, So we're very fortunate in, in that sense. And, and I think both Jamie and I have been talking to people. I know I, I reach out to a lot of folks, uh, a lot of other uh, music instructors who, who had questions about like moving to virtual lessons. How do we do this? Right. Um, So talking to people and, and of course it's not just musicians who, who have to you know, our music teachers who have to deal with this kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but other, other people find benefit from, from some of those tips. Yeah.
0: Sure. I I want to let listeners know if they are interested in more virtual lessons to go to tinyvillagemusic.com because that's where they can find Ross Malcolm Boyd and a lot more information about uh, virtual lessons, as well as Mm -hmm. many of your other um, avenues as well. Interesting. This is a good segue because I wanted to ask you about the Ross and Jamie adventure. <laughs> yes, you, as you said, have been traveling with your wife um, across the country since 2016. Bag and baggage, you packed up the 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 house uh, in a storage unit and have been on the road since 2016. How did you prepare for this kind of life changing decision? This is hu- This was huge.
1: It was. And it was, it was a lot of work leading up to it. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a decision that we, we, we said, okay, we're going to do it. I and know. Then, I and know. Then do it. We had the talk. Uh, it was, it was a couple of years before, you know, we'd been having conversations about downsizing about fight. Like when we, when we settle into a house, it being be mm-hmm. a small house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted a fairly small footprint and I had been talking about wanting to tour. Uh, and and to travel and to take my original music uh outside of, of New England uh and we we had been we had been discussing different ways that that we could make that happen um and uh and Jamie literally had a dream that we bought a used RV and started touring and and living out of the RV because we couldn't she couldn't afford to just send me out and <laughs> and, and and let me do my thing Yeah. And, uh so That was, that was the inspiration. It was, it was, it was literally a dream. And uh, we planned for a long time, both uh, figuring out how we were going to work, plotting courses, Mm -hmm. uh, figuring out uh, any, all all of the things that we might need to know about uh, living in an RV. Mm -hmm. Um, Jamie did extensive research. Uh, and continues to do so and to write about said research at com.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you added that because yes, I wanted to make sure we do that JamieAdventure.com has such a wonderful uh, tale of your, of your travels The open road is ahead of us again And it's leading to a place
1: we've never met a dozen maps and not a single one can tell us what to do But that's okay, cause I like getting lost with you There is no destination save for what we find As we travel all across the countryside From the White to Rocky Mountains till we reach the ocean blue never
0: really lost as long as i Was the adventure itself the desire or was there an end goal that is your desire? We knew that we weren't finding
1: what we were looking for in life in New mm-hmm. Hampshire, mm-hmm. Um, particularly in the arts communities. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we just weren't finding that place that that was right for us between theater companies and bands and so forth and so Mm -hmm. on. We, we just didn't feel like we were in our artistic community. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we knew that there were other communities out there and we wanted to see what they were like. We wanted to find those communities. So uh, that was, that was a big driving force and a big conversation. Like obviously we want to travel. That's uh, something that's always important to us um getting getting to see as much as as we can this uh, this country is enormous let alone this world mm. once we once we've seen yeah. <laughs> yep. all we can handle here <laughs> there are other places that are amazing yep. yeah another spot um, okay
0: <laughs> let's yeah. go
1: and and that's wonderful and i think that 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 travel uh informs us as human beings as well mm-hmm. um getting to experience people who live in a different way than than we grew up living whether it be sure. the 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 culture the food the climate yeah. you know all all of these all of these things um can can have a, a fairly significant effect on, on how people live their lives um and it it's really uh eye opening to to get to see and experience some of that in in our travels and i think we're both very uh interested in in personal growth in that mm-hmm. way that that uh a a lot of the answers are beyond us um, and going for that.
0: You always had an explorer constitution, if you will. I can remember (laughs) you as a young boy, You would try anything when it came to food. You would try, you were willing to go places with other people. You had no reservations. You were one of those kids that, yep, I'll try it. Yep, I'll try it. (laughs) So it's obviously transcending into your adult life in that you are an explorer because the fact that you are not only just willing to go oh sure we'll go over here to to wherever the point is is that you are sopping up like a dry sponge in a pool uh mm-hmm. everything there is along the way and your propensity for for uh, taking that all in and then evolving it into more of your artistic growth is just phenomenal mm-hmm. so what a gift yeah
1: it it certainly is i i didn't I didn't think that this was possible. Like even just yeah. the, the concept of touring, like the, you know, kind of a, a big part of why we were having these conversations in the first place um, was just so, so cost prohibitive.
0: Mm-hmm. And I did
1: not think that it, that it was possible to do that. Given our situation, yeah. let alone, to live like this, yeah. um, so it's it's been fascinating to to figure out how that all works, how you make money by working virtually or mm-hmm. by working. You know, uh, a lot of what we had been doing when we were starting was working at place from place to place, so mm-hmm. either picking up music gigs or uh, working at campgrounds. Um, you know, picking up jobs along the way, mm-hmm. and that kind of turned into okay will build websites or, uh, will teach courses or whatever the case may be. It's, it's, it's grown, um, mm-hmm. in a lot of interesting ways.
0: It really, and has. I didn't
1: think that this was, I didn't think that this was possible. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that it is the fact that we figured it out, it feels like feels like a weird secret like like oh did we (laughs) we uncovered something this is this is amazing i can't believe it it feels like we're cheating somehow
0: (laughs) you have totally well and of course you admittedly uh, your wife is is quite a talented woman so um Mm -hmm. a lot we and we want to talk a little bit about jamie but uh, mm-hmm. if anybody is interested, even in um, how you accomplish this or whatever, I want to reiterate Ross and Jamie at Venture.com is the yes. place to go for that kind of information. Um, Your wife is, uh, you and your wife have a podcast about musical theater. This is, and you were talking a little bit about uh, exploring various areas across the country and culture. Mm -hmm. Um, What, how is musical theater important to your wife and therefore to you? Yeah, it's it's interesting her
1: connection to musical theater and I and I don't want to speak too deeply for her but her connection to musical theater has changed a lot she was hmm. like she was as she knows everything about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have learned so much from mm-hmm. her uh, about about musical theater because go, before before we were together um I had a very cursory understanding of mm-hmm. of the art form and uh you know I I I didn't get it yeah and and her depth of knowledge she she knew exactly what to show me to make me understand it she knew the shows she knew this the you know the music that was going to be engaging so oh of course you're not going to like Andrew Lloyd Webber here look at this yeah like there's it's more than just that look at this and and uh just she she is an incredible uh wealth of knowledge and she had a musical theater company she she had uh, gone to school for music she mm-hmm. uh, uh worked for a children's touring company uh and uh she came back to New Hampshire and started her own musical theater company and that went on for for a number of years mm-hmm. um the focus was offbeat lesser known uh, yes. uh musical musicals because there's a lot out there that we don't get to see people like me who like I, I know Disney movies and and I, I'll Phantom of the Opera, I guess, <laughs> you know, like the the, the very the, a, a lot of surface level stuff, and it's so much more than that. And uh, uh, the history of musical theater was something that she was very passionate about, and not only explored that in our main stage shows but in her series of concerts uh mm-hmm. that that the theater company did uh which was very focused on the history of musical theater and the story of musical theater in a given year uh with the context of the culture that was happening around it at that given time.
0: Yeah, I loved them There's, because I learned so much too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It it was it was a wonderful series. Mm-hmm. Uh something wonderful I missed. <laughs> is what it was called? <laughs> uh and um it was, I, I cannot think of anything more Jamie than that series. You know, it is, it is tying together things that she is most passionate about musical Mm -hmm. theater and history. And it was really, really wonderful. She's a, a, an extraordinarily talented and intelligent woman, Mm -hmm. uh, who is extraordinarily accomplished. And, uh, I I can't sing her praises enough.
0: <laughs> Do you want to drop the plug for your uh podcast your um well so so that's uh, that's the thing as we as
1: we move as we move on like the mm-hmm. the next the next part to that story is is when we when we decided that we were going to start traveling uh mm-hmm. and we were going to uh Look for, look for a new place to settle down. We had a list of things that were important to us. So mm-hmm. music community, uh, the local theaters, so forth and so on, uh, that were, that were on our list of priorities. And as time went on, Jamie was realizing that musical theater wasn't necessarily at the top of that list. She's like, I don't, I don't know if this needs to be on the list. I don't, there, are, there are a lot of things about that that I don't miss anymore, that I, mm-hmm. that I don't need as part of my life. I'm not, I'm not deriving the same joy that I used to from that. So that's kind of become a less important thing. And that's okay. We still want to be in a community with a strong arts, yeah. you know, uh, focus. So naturally that's going to be involved, mm-hmm. but her specific connection to music, musical theater in the way that she had been connected with it before um, is, isn't as big a part of her life now as it was then. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, when, Whenever you decide to, to do an interview with her, she'll be able to talk, I'm sure, Good. a little bit more, more deeply about that. Good. Um, but uh, between that and pan- the current pandemic that that, that we're experiencing sure. and that has shut down theaters everywhere, mm-hmm. um, we had, we had put the podcast on a hiatus, uh, at the end of 2019 because mm-hmm. things were very chaotic. We were very mm-hmm. busy with a lot of things. Sure. Uh, and we were, we we're trying to stage a musical and we were doing this and that. It was, it was, it was all quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so we put it on hiatus and we were, you know, talking about like how we were going to, to get back into, uh, recording episodes. And with the pandemic, it just doesn't feel like the right time to be talking about that
0: yeah, yeah um
1: the the types of conversations that we were having around musical theater everything is so uncertain right now in terms sure. of what performance is going to look like when yeah. we are going to be able to perform again uh, so talking about that doesn't doesn't quite feel right as of right now mm-hmm. uh, the show is called finishing the season uh you mm-hmm. can find it on on itunes uh, i i think we have some really fun episodes uh yes. in there and uh, i I wouldn't be surprised if the show comes back because we still do. The, the show was born out of just me asking questions. I love um, it. It's really, really fun. I would not be surprised if we do it again. Um, mm-hmm. I also wouldn't be surprised if we kind of took the same idea and, and picked a different subject, but, uh, but the episodes are still, are, are still available. Uh, you can, you can go check them out. They're, they're a good time. uh, I think they are.
0: Yeah. And me not knowing a lot about musical theater, um, it still was just as delightful or enlightening for me. Um, And I'm definitely growing through what you and Jamie have been doing. Um, And I'm glad that you dropped it, dropped the title of of the podcast, because I really think people will enjoy it. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I was kind of curious about with all this musical theater that you've been surrounded by and involved in and per- mm-hmm. <laughs> and and helping to put on, do you think musical theater has influenced your um, songwriting, your compositions?
1: Absolutely. It's absolutely made me think about story and character a lot more. I was asked to write a song or Jamie and I were both asked to write a song for a play uh, a, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. uh, which we were happy to do. And it was one of the first times that I was writing very deliberately from a very particular place, like this character was already created. And I was writing from the voice of this character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a really cool experience I, to really put myself in that place and to write kind of from a different angle. There are people who are great at writing story songs, you mm-hmm. know, uh, as as the the third part for the third person narrative of so and so walk down the road mm-hmm. sort of songs. Yeah. Uh, and I've always been, uh, my, most of my songwriting has been, uh, more introspective, mm-hmm. uh, and, and usually from the first person perspective mm-hmm. and singing out. And sometimes I will be embodying, I will be writing about somebody else through the first person, mm-hmm. but that's, that's been my comfort zone. So both the idea of writing for other people or other characters. And that experience of, of being asked to specifically write a song for this play, uh, contributed to, to that kind of growth and that, that, uh, uh, shift in songwriting and to challenge myself because you get settled into what's comfortable and you, you it's, it's easy to write in a particular way. It's like, okay, yeah, I've got, I've got my quirky songs. Like these, these work. This is, this is what I do. Yeah. Oh, that's not what I do. So I'm not going <laughs> to worry about that. And then it's like, I could do that Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's like I have to practice with this again okay so and then you you kind of you you kind of have to go back to that like Mm -hmm. all right we're gonna start from scratch I was there there's some new music that I'm working on now um that is is feels very outside of my comfort zone and uh and and I was I was trying some ideas and writing things down and it wasn't working and I'm like Jamie it's not working and (laughs) and she and she says she says just I had I had recently done a a, a course on songwriting, and she said, mm-hmm. "You need to take your own advice. You need mm-hmm. to start from the blank page. You need to brainstorm. Yeah. You need to follow the steps." Like, it's like you mean you mean take my own advice? It's like
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about uh, that uh, course that you were working on or that you mm-hmm. presented about re- songwriting. I mean. I'm sure you've heard it before. Uh, Someone says, Oh, I could never write a song. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I'm not musically inclined. I could never write a song. Is that true? It's absolutely not true. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody
1: can write a song. Um, Really? Okay. How? (laughs) So I think one of the things that kind of gets in our way uh, is ourselves. Uh, when we're, when we're thinking about being creative, because a lot of creativity in, in America is tied to commerce. Mm. Things that, things that, in order for something that we do to be of value, it has to yield a product. Mm -hmm. And that's not what art's about. And we need to remember that when we say, oh man, I wish I, it would make me happy to write a song. It would be, it would make me happy to write a picture. It would make me happy to write a poem. It doesn't need to be something that needs to be good enough for sale, whatever Mm -hmm. that means, right? Mm -hmm. Um, To, to create something for anything other than to express a feeling that you're having. So I think that's the first hurdle. There are technical things that we can start talking about, like how to rhyme, Mm-hmm. How to, mm-hmm. you know, we can we can learn about poetry and learn about feet and meter and 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 we can learn about musical structure and what chords to pick and how to mm-hmm. how to construct a melody that works functionally mm-hmm. uh, in in terms of music. But I think that first hurdle is like, I want to I want I want to write a song and don't let any concept of what that is supposed to be dictate your ability to do mm. so. Mm-hmm. I think like like when I was a kid and walking around the yard and just like humming, I had no idea how to write a song. <laughs> yeah. I, I've listened to music. I know what songs sound like mm-hmm. and I can hum something to myself. I don't, I, I, I'm sure that everyone has stood at the kitchen sink washing dishes and just started humming a song to yourself. Mm-hmm. Just making up. If you can do that, you can write a song. Like that's, that's all there, all, literally all there is to it if you're feeling frustrated and you want to write something, just get out a piece of paper and write exactly what you're feeling. And, Mm -hmm. and you look at that page of, of, of feelings, this, this kind of physical representation of these Mm -hmm. emotions that you're feeling. Okay. I have, I have all these words. Some of these words, if I put these together in a, in a particular way, Oh, that, that, that kind of sounds like poetry. That kind of sounds neat. Like this, this, Sadness fills me. Okay, interesting, cool. And then maybe you find a couple other lines that, that sound right um, and you put those pieces together and maybe mm-hmm. you, you strum one chord and you just kind of hum those lines as as you're playing. Mm. Uh, that can be a really cathartic experience just creating something out of feelings, whether it be feelings of frustration or feelings of joy um that can be a really powerful thing that is just for you.
0: I love it. I I want maybe another time we can really talk about the whole process cuz I know you mm. just did something for Orlando Library um which mm. was a wonderful uh session that you did for them and maybe that's something that we could do in another in another show. Um yes you're so talented in so many instruments and I love the fact that you love trying everything. Um, how did the ukulele become such a favorite instrument?
1: It's weird. The ukulele is such a powerful little instrument it that is. is so persistent. Um, I, <laughs> I don't remember exactly why I bought my first ukulele. It was a baritone ukulele. And the thing about a baritone ukulele is it's tuned much like a guitar. Uh where uh it's it's tuned uh, to it's tuned to the same pitch as the the first four strings on a guitar. I see. Um so as coming from as a guitar player, baritone was just the easy way into a different instrument with a I'm slightly sure. different tone. Sure. It sounded like a like a classical guitar. Um, it had, it had that kind of warm, mellow, uh, nylon string sound Mm -hmm. that you would expect from a classical guitar. Um, but it was a much smaller body, uh, and, and the sound was a little bit different as a result. And I wrote a lot of stuff on that. A lot of, a lot of songs that became, um, bigger rock songs were written on that, that little baritone ukulele and I would leave it next to my bed and I would Mm -hmm. get an idea in the middle of the night and I would reach over and I'd grab it and and, you know and and I'd be lying in bed and I'd hit the tape recorder and start humming a song okay I think it goes like this okay there yeah there it is okay I'll deal with that (laughs) when I wake up and it was great because it's this little tiny thing that's right next to me you know it's not cumbersome it's got everything that I need to create harmony and melody. And I can get out an idea really quickly. Once you get into the other sizes, it wasn't until a number of years later that I uh, bought a tenor um, Mm. ukulele. And a tenor ukulele is uh, the next smallest size Mm -hmm. uh, and the biggest size using the traditional tuning of the ukulele. We are tuned to... uh... I've got G, C, E, A. And... That particular tuning, typically on on uh, most stringed instruments, your uh, your your fourth string, your 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 string that's that would be closest to the ceiling if you're if you're holding it, uh, mm-hmm. would be the biggest would be the biggest string and the lowest note. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ukulele uh, uses what's called a re-entrance tuning, where where the the strings on the outside are the highest notes on the mm-hmm. instrument. And that gives an interesting texture that you don't get with, say, a guitar. You, you might with a banjo, for instance. A ban- okay. banjo uses a similar, uh, tuning, uh, uh, method. Um, but it changes the way that the, that the instrument sounds. Uh, this is, this is not the way a baritone, uh, ukulele is tuned. Uh, it's, it's how the, uh, the tenor, concert, and soprano, the, those three smaller sized ukuleles are tuned. Uh, and it gives it a particular, a particular texture uh that on ukulele we tend to associate with uh hawaiian music you know yeah. we've got this nice bright mm-hmm. that we might uh, associate with a particular style of music uh it was uh on our honeymoon that I bought the tenor ukulele and we were in uh, Canada, we were in uh, Nova Scotia and it was just, it it just called to me. And it's (laughs) like, yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about the ukulele a lot and, and, you know, I've been, I, you know, the, my, my baritone is, is all well and good, but it doesn't have that particular sound that this has. And at that time I had already been exposed to uh, ukulele players like Jake Shimabukuro and uh, Israel Wewo Ole, or mm-hmm. is as, as mm-hmm. is easier to say, and um, countless other uh, ukulele players. Um, I was a little less familiar with the likes of Tiny Tim and uh, mm-hmm. Arthur Godfrey and mm-hmm. and some of those those classic uh, pioneers of the mm-hmm. instrument. But it was it was definitely something that's like oh there's there's something going on there's there's uh, there's a sweetness there's a sound to this instrument that I am really interested in.
0: How did you find bringing the ukulele to a group of seniors you did a, a grant program up in northern new hampshire for some uh senior citizens how was that experience in, in as far as relaying um the love of ukuleles
1: it has been life changing for me that is <laughs> absolutely a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's interesting how, how how my student base has changed over the years. When mm-hmm. I first started teaching, I was teaching mm-hmm. uh, a lot of young students when, when I was beginning. And uh, by the time I moved to Northern New Hampshire, by that time in that community, uh, it was a lot of adults. I had, I, I was teaching, I was teaching uh, younger folks as well, mm-hmm. but I had a really a a really significant portion of my student base was adults and it was a really interesting shift for me because I'd always had some adults but it was never the core of my audience Uh, and I found that I really really enjoyed it Um, teaching adults can be challenging and I think learning as an adult can be challenging because you are a grown-up and you already know how to do things mm-hmm. and not knowing how to do something as an adult can feel very frustrating, especially when you're, you know, when you're approaching these rudimentary exercises that can be, that can be tough for a grown up to handle. Um, and to again, get over themselves, same yeah. way that we were talking about songwriting. So I found that challenge, uh, and, and that experience extraordinarily rewarding, finding these kind of, Secret abilities in these people who didn't think that it was possible at my age to do to do. I couldn't do that. I'm I'm far too old, <laughs> and, you know. And and kind of taking that the next step. When I got the opportunity to teach uh, a, a group of seniors, it was so incredibly powerful. We had people from a, a wide range of backgrounds. Um, mm. And and a wide range of physical abilities, you know, mm. as 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 we get older, things stop working the way that mm. they used to, mm-hmm. and we had folks, you know, struggling with arthritis, being able mm-hmm. to hold the instrument, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it didn't matter what background you came in with, mm-hmm. what what physical impediments you might you might be struggling with going into this, it was less about that and more mm-hmm. about getting together and singing some songs, and that's what the program was was focused on it was it was it wasn't just focused on uh okay we're going to learn how to play this instrument it was more about community for for the seniors like some sort of artistic way for people to get together and communicate and share and bond in 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 a community like mm-hmm. really creating something and one of the most magical things about that is seeing how many groups that i have worked with over the years Ha, are still getting together every week have started their own ukulele groups i love uh, it. I, I, I i joke that I've, i'm creating a, a ukulele army of northern new hampshire where <laughs> just just groups have, have have spawned and it's and it's just wonderful to see this passion that that was already there in them mm-hmm. um, they just needed to figure out a way to express it it's still like, I, I look forward to when I can do that again with people, because it it is just such a great feeling.
0: Like I said, you, you as a mentor and an educator are infectious and <laughs> <laughs> it just, it really did blossom up there as, as many other areas. What's something that you've learned about yourself being on the road that you didn't know before?
1: Mm, didn't know that I could do it. Mm-hmm. I think, Physically, like I didn't realize that I would be capable of doing it. I thought that I would go nuts before too long. We had when we had set out, we said, "Okay, right, we're gonna we're gonna do this for at least a year, and then we'll reassess at the end of the year." Because mm-hmm. you know, we we knew that we were going to face challenges, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to get bogged down. Like two months in, oh, this broke, or we got a we got a we had to replace this again, oh. mm-hmm. and we didn't want to let that inform our decision. Uh, mm-hmm. about, about what we we're doing. We wanted to make sure that we were giving it a, a, a fair shot. Um, so a year in, uh, and, and I was thinking, okay, we'll do this for a year. Maybe we'll do this for a two year, but I don't really see this working out. I don't know. And, uh, and the year Mark comes up and both of us were kind of like, Oh, Oh yeah. It's been a year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're still going. Right. Okay. Yeah. We're still okay, going. Fine. Going cool. yeah. Um, that, that is a, is, is a really big thing. I also learned I'm still learning how mm-hmm. I work mm-hmm. um, what is important to me to to create a good workflow to mm-hmm. create that work life balance mm-hmm. um, it's it's something that i'm that I'm still learning, but I think I'm learning how to work more effectively mm-hmm. and a lot of this I'm learning from from Jamie, she is very self-aware and, and is, is doing a very good job of compartmentalizing work and not work. Mm-hmm. And it's a conversation that we have a lot, but being able to enjoy our lives while still getting our work done, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And it's interesting being in the position that we are uh, working remotely, we are able to have these conversations and figure out what works best for us, because I know mm-hmm. that the way that we have been working in the past was not healthy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting that it took you going on the road to find that because I think that um, concept is good for anybody, no matter what your uh, agenda is, whatever your work is, whatever your environment is. But having it come to you because you are on the road and I think leads to my next question, what's been the biggest tip, I guess, for lack of a better word, you and your wife have been in a very small compartment for. <laughs> what is it for? Yes. <laughs> how are? I mean, you are still married, and you do seem to still love each other. So, yeah. <laughs> I, How has that affected your relationship?
1: I think we have only gotten stronger. Uh, mm. Before, before doing this. Um, as, as I mentioned before, our, our work lives were crazy. We were working insane mm-hmm. hours. It was it was kind of tough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, now we are on top of each other all day, every day. <laughs> and and I I, I I imagine that was a concern. It's like, all right, this is going to make or break us, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no, no getting around it. Mm-hmm. But um, we have always been very open and communicative with one mm-hmm. another. Uh, and we are only learning to be more so uh, as, as our relationship has gone on. Mm-hmm. And it's so extremely important to continue that when we're in this small space or if you're mm-hmm. uh, quarantined and can't leave the house or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, whatever your situation might be, um, communication has just been the big thing. Talking openly and honestly in mm-hmm. a safe environment about, okay, this is what's working for me. This mm-hmm. is what's not working for me. Right. And, right. and okay, how can we how can we address that? Okay, I'll work right. over there at this time. I'll work over here at this time. Sure. Uh, all all of those conversations are are going to be super important, and it's mm-hmm. important to have those conversations when you are in a calm space. Mm-hmm. When you are in a all right, we're we're just going down this list. We are not accusing one another of right. these things. These are just. These are, these are things that we're experiencing and we're going to talk about how to address those things.
0: Um,
1: and that's a, that's a regular thing for us. It's like, all right, let's, let's check in. Yeah. Where are we at? And life changes when we, when we hit the road, uh, we were conducting ourselves in a particular way, but as our work changed, uh, Mm -hmm. over, over the the past four years or so, uh, Jamie started doing more virtual assistant work and Mm -hmm. is, is, Kind of leaning into the the coaching world and so forth and so on. And mm. I am uh, shifting now uh, from teaching in person to, or teaching workshops in person, to mm. teaching workshops online and developing courses. Mm. Uh, so as our as our work has changed, our uh, requirements to to do that work has changed, and mm. thus our lives are changing and how we interact with one another. So it's so important that we continue to check in it's not like a, a all right once a year it's like no all right this week i've got meetings here 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 and yep. here what are you working on do you need to record any video okay cool this is going to be a good time for me if you can record then blah 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 um that is absolutely essential
0: i think it's remarkable uh, uh, a true testament to not only just time management, but relationship management and um, career management. You have Mm -hmm. thrived in your careers. You are are growing. One thing we didn't even have time to talk about today is your audio engineering and your audio editing capabilities. I mean, that's a whole nother field that you are very strong in. That's your degree. And so we can... Talk about podcast editing, maybe another time. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) The podcasting industry certainly is is growing. We certainly want people to turn to Ross Malcolm Boyd with any of those kinds of needs. What's ahead for Ross Malcolm Boyd? I mean, I'm sure that there are some dreams that um, the bucket list is. It must be out there.
1: Yeah, I I, well, I uh, I've got a lot of music that uh, needs to be recorded. Uh, I've been sitting on. So many songs that are just that are just waiting to be released, <laughs> uh, and you know finding the time to 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 record them. Uh, I am uh, working on a uh, ukulele course, uh, an online ukulele course, uh, which I'm very very excited about that will mm-hmm. be launching relatively soon. I don't mm-hmm. want to I don't want to jump on a date just yet because, yep. uh, of course, you know you you are like, all right, we're almost there, and then you yeah, realize, yeah. oh, we need to do this 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 and this and so we'll <laughs> launches. Like, oh, okay. So um but that is on the way uh, I have been um uh sending out emails every week to my uh email group uh mm-hmm. uh for for ukulele folks um, so there have been lessons or or talks about music as it relates to ukulele every week um, and I particularly started doing that because of the shutdown because mm-hmm. of because of the the quarantine I wanted to be doing something for my students who I knew would normally be going to groups uh, mm-hmm. every week that would no longer be able to do so. So I thought that this would be a really fun way of, of connecting with those people mm. and keeping them connected. Uh, so, so presenting songs every week. And I think finding new projects like that is always mm-hmm. really important to me.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: finding, finding new ways to connect with people, especially right now where, okay, this is a, this is a weird time. What are we going to do?
0: Right. Right. Russ, I have always enjoyed talking to you. I mean, you as an adult are such a fascinating person. Um, And I just want to reiterate all of the the websites tinyvillagemusic.com military families or people that are in in inclement weather or people whose lives are just so busy and you don't have time to drive 45 minutes, consider some virtual lessons because this is such a delightful way to uh, bring music into your children, or even you as an adult, your lives. Ross and Jamie to learn more about your travels and, and how one even it gets to that point to bring your career on the road. So much to learn from you, Ross. And and thank you for taking this time with me today. This has been wonderful. Thank you for having me. It has been wonderful. Sandra Beck, we'll be back with you again, as will I, Robin Boyd. Thank you for being with us. We look forward to seeing you again. Take care and thanks. Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Join us again. We've got something you won't want to miss. Motherhood Talk Radio is a production of Beck Multimedia.